I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Dr. Tom, a GP in Melbourne, and Beryl is firmly off with the centaurs today. Fantastic to hear. I'm Dr. Dave Dem, a clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Jamie Byrne. I'm also a clinical psychologist. Wonderful. And welcome to the Meet Q podcast, where each episode we meet Q, a fictional member of the LGBTIQAP plus community who's struggling with their mental health, while the three of us have a chat about what's going on for Q and how we would support them in therapy. Thanks for joining us. We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, of course, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to any First Nations listeners today, and sovereignty was, of course, never ceded. Well, guys. Hello. Hi. How are we going? Does anyone feel weird when you're giving you like title and like saying clinical mm-hmm. like it, it feels kind of like it's not me like did I really do that <laughs> was eight like, years at uni really a thing yeah, yeah. yeah. 12 yeah. for me yeah collected a few degrees yeah. <laughs> she's like got the Pokemon thing going on with education a little bit surreal yeah do you want to trade can we do that can I tell you what happened I walked into my um, office the other day and actually my doctorate had fallen oh, off the wall <laughs> we were Actually, like, recording the podcast oh, that right. day. Yeah, that's a scary one. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, do you believe in ghosts? Oh my god, like Ghostbusters in the nineties? Great film. Side note: Should we probably be Q today? Let's do it. Hi, I'm Q. I've been with my wonderful boyfriend for a few years. I still don't know how he finds me attractive. I've always found bottoming really uncomfortable and painful. My boyfriend usually just stops because he can see me in pain or loses his heart on because he can tell I'm not enjoying it. It was made worse when I bled a bit afterwards one time and I thought I was broken. I suppose I thought I was broken for a while now really. Like I love him and want him to enjoy sex but I just struggle with the pain when he's inside me. After the blood I worry about Brown too. It happened once and I was so embarrassed that I couldn't even look at him. My anxiety is telling me that he'll leave me if we can't have sex again, even though he says the opposite. So I need to get this sorted. I love him and want to be a good boyfriend. Oh dear Q. It's really, like sex is hard. Mm. Like I honestly- It's fun intended. Well, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's great soft as well. Um, (laughs) I think it's, and I think that's probably what we're going to talk about today is this notion of like, what is sex? Mm -hmm. Like it is anxiety inducing. Mm. It is thrilling. It is like everything of like fireworks and shebangs. Mm. Um, And, you know, like, oh my God, just hold me tightly. Mm. Um, It can be so many things in, and it's just a really difficult thing to conceptualize. Mm. And, I think one of the things here with Q that I'd probably want to talk about is like, what do they want to get out of sex and what yeah. do they look at as being sex for them? Mm. Like is sex only a partnered experience with their partner or can they have sex on their own? Like the way I conceptualize sex myself is that sex is a moment where I'm feeling my sexual energy and my sexual self. Cause I conceptualize my sexual self mm. as being part of me as part of my identity, mm. as part of like, it's distinct from my emotional self. It's distinct from my romantic self. It's also distinct from your sexual orientation. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I identify as a gay man, but I could 
be a gay man who is in the club getting fisted Mm -hmm. or I could be a gay man who's in a monogamous long-term relationship with a white picket fence Mm -hmm. and like and that having like very in inverted commas vanilla sex Mm -hmm. like the way we kind of conceptualize who we are Mm -hmm. is really distinct from how we like um, kind of portray that sexual self. Mm, It's interesting, isn't it? Like this idea of separating out sexual orientation and also identifies a gay male, uh, like sexual orientation versus this kind of sexual identity, this me as a sexual being. um, And why does my sexual self need to necessarily be completely defined by my sexual orientation um, and my thoughts and preconceived ideas about what it means to be a gay man? And Mm. I wonder if if Q is experiencing some of that and maybe there's some underlying thoughts here for him that he might not even be tapped into yet, which are, oh, as a gay man, I need to take a dick. As a gay man, I need to bottom. As a gay man, I need to to do these things. I need to, like, have sex constantly. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, like the hypersexual um, kind of imagery that's portrayed Mm. to us in kind of representation is incredibly kind of exclusionary in some ways because not everyone influential yeah Mm. and it's not everyone's going to have like the libido that's skyrocketing high absolutely and like therefore not not every erect penis is going to need to be like having sex attended to yeah like we kind of need to conceptualize sex as being an activity that we engage in either on our own like sexual activity as being one that we engage in on our own or with partners or mm. a partner. Mm. And the type of like, engagement that that takes itself can be incredibly varied. And like, I think we would spend more than half an hour of this podcast just listing off all the various definitions of the type of sex you can have mm-hmm. if we wanted to, but we're not going to because that would just be... Oh. That's cool. <laughs> Next episode. <laughs> Maybe we can put it as like an adjunct recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. can be <laughs> uploaded. Supplemental materials. Yeah. 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 We'll do it as an ASMR version and just be like, <laughs> anal. It's interesting, isn't it? Like in, in my mind, I'm thinking about, again, this separation that we're talking about here between sexual orientation and, and you know, sexual behaviour or who I am as yeah. my sexual yeah. self and Activity. the type of... Yeah, the type of activity that I like to engage in sexually um, uh, and how they can develop very separately and how, as I'm saying, they don't need to be kind of reliant on each other. And I wonder how we, you know, I wonder how Q as a gay man finds that space of being able to understand what his sexual self is is what it is he likes what it is he wants to do which can be you know like I say to my clients a lot as long as you're not hurting anybody including yourself and as long as you're not breaking any laws go live your fucking life exactly yeah. and I'm thinking about you know if if, if bottoming is something that he, he is really connected to and that is part of his sexual mm. being where does he look, go to learn how to do that where does he learn uh, how to you know do things like douche in order to sure. you know make sure that uh, well, well I'm pretty sure they teach it in sex ed at school isn't it uh, <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> Harold coming to Harold What's underneath that little tail? (laughs) (laughs) Where's that head? Do you know what I mean? Like, where where are we going for this information? Where is he learning how to do these things that are going to take away some of this anxiety for him? These days, like, there's really the only place that most people get their sex education, unfortunately, is porn. Yeah. 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 And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, not every asshole is bleached as the person in porn. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's natural over time that they stain. Mm-hmm. Sorry to like, and so like, and like not every erection is going to maintain itself for the six oh. hours that apparently it does. And, not every, and like not every like body is as chiseled or as like hairy or as like all mm-hmm. those kind of things that like are representative to us through the imagery of this mm-hmm. like very con- um, kind of 
confected uh, medium. And I probably haven't looked too hard, but I haven't noticed a how to douche tab on Pornhub. <laughs> no. Like that, sure, like probably are, but like yeah. potentially yeah. it's there. I haven't looked too hard yeah. for it. But do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, Absolutely. it is. You know, even in porn, it's a very sexual mm. kind of um, mm. experience, as mm. opposed to a how did you get here? Oh, you've come sure. to clean the pool, but what were you doing? You know, <laughs> ten minutes beforehand in the shower with yeah. your douching apparatus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this is the thing, and it's also like I think it's important to point out here that not everyone needs to douche. Like, it's uh, yeah, no, very yeah. just using it as an example. But like when Q here is worried about this, like how does he kind of learn like um, the types of uh, kind of activities that are going to be like alleviating for some of that stress? Or how does he learn to accept yeah. potentially um, that like there might be some poop there and that's yeah. okay as well? Yeah. Or have that communication. And I think this is like when we're drawing it back to Q, that anxiety surrounding the sex that he's having is really based on that cone of silence. Right. And that lack of knowledge. Well, we want sex to be perfect, don't we? We're just like, we Mm -hmm. want to be good. Like, I've never heard someone say, look, I'd be okay with being all right at sex. Like, it's not really something that we want to be okay at. We want to be great because we want to be great for us. We want to be great for our partners, Mm -hmm. if whatever's Mm happened in that configuration, right? So, I think that's one of the really big things here is that kind of like, how can I be perfect? And I think um, what you're drawing there, Jamie, is this idea that every sexual episode is going to be the best, most mind-blowing experience that we're ever going to have. But when you look at the research... Are you telling me I'm going to have one that's not? Yeah, you're, you're bad in bed some days, Jamie. I'm sorry to say, but the stats are in, like, like in abundantly clear that, like, basically not... Like, it's only a small Who percentage. Who have you been talking to? <laughs> We've got, like, a sweet secret, like, Twitterverse. Um, <laughs> it's all about you. Um, no. Dr. Burns lovers. Um, but what the point is, like, the stats really point to is that essentially only, like, less than a third of sexual encounters we have are going to be that mind-blowing sex that we, like, kind of are aiming for. Okay. Majority of sex is going to be good sex. So have sex. And then there's going to be a percentage of sex, like, it's kind of up to a third or so, that's going to be bad sex. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just not going to be fulfilling. And it's not going to be great. And it's when we kind of demonize ourselves or, vict- um, or kind of, like, kind of really focus on that negative and we don't then kind of allow ourselves to be able to have that good sex next time. Do you know what? There's nothing like having some bad or subpar sex to actually make you feel connected to your partner because it's funny. Like, there's yeah, something about it. Yeah. You're like, what is happening, guys? Like, what? My hands like, are doing the motions, but like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, is it and, like, and, is it a full moon? Like, <laughs> Well, it could have just been that you've had a bad day at work. Sure. And that's the thing. I'm tired. Yeah, Get off sure. me. <laughs> so the main point is that sex and the brain are inherently connected. Like our mind is our biggest sex organ. Mm. And we've got to really kind of embrace that because if we're not in the right headspace, like it doesn't matter what you're doing physically, you're not going to have great sex or you're mm. not going to enjoy yourself yeah. or you're not going to be able to relax. And Q here is really focused on kind of having receptive <laughs> anal sex. Yeah. And so if they're really anxious about that act, they're really going to struggle to relax that anus. Mm. Well, that's the role of anxiety, isn't it? I mean, if we if we pull this into kind of the emotion space, Q here is talking about this anxiety that he experiences and, and the physiological aspect or the physiological response when we become anxious is, well, you know, there's a full cascade that happens, but one of the main things that happens is that our, our kind of body gets tense, yeah? right. that our body isn't right. relaxed. I talk yeah. about relaxation being the opposite of anxiety. And one of the other things that happens, you know, our body's in this fight or flight, in this fight or flight um, position, which is all about kind of escaping this perceived danger that mm. we're, that, you know, our, our mind is sensing that 
Think about all those things that you don't need when you're trying to save your life. And one of those, exactly, is sexual functioning, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. So that energy or that blood or what, you know, that, the, the, what your body it's might put into, exactly, yeah. yeah, what your body yeah. might put into your sexual functioning is drawn away because in that moment, your body's going, danger, danger. You don't need an erection right now. You need you to run really yeah. fast or you need to fight, mm-hmm. the, you need your muscles tense as possible to fight this, this and danger. 100%. And like, we know that within the pelvic floor as well. So like, kind of a across um, all uh, genders that um, the pelvic floor is so important when it comes to sex because that's uh, our genitals are surrounding the pelvic floor. Um, and so ultimately that pelvic floor is going to be incredibly tight um, mm-hmm. when you're anxious mm-hmm. because for exactly as you say, you don't need to be like pooping. But I and thought so, we're like, meant to have a tight pelvic floor. Oh yes. We've all seen the sex in the city episode where right. we're doing our kegels. I'm doing one right now. Yeah, We're breathing in, but like, and is there I a th- difference between tight and strong? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So tight is when like, so your muscles are contracted. So like if we're tensing mm. our biceps, like we're showing off our guns um, and that's like you're tightening that kind of muscle and it's mm. quite tense. And so it's hard and you can't penetrate that muscle. Whereas when it's relaxed, it's like a bit more uh, floppy and like, mm. you know, tuck shop um, arms. We, we yeah. also know that heightened anxiety is so much connected to kind of ruminating anxious thoughts and, mm. and being kind of more... Uh, inwardly focused sure. rather than outwardly focused and when we're inwardly focused during a sexual activity it's probably just not going to be as exciting or as yeah. like enjoyable well, like and we all see that in our partner as well if we're having sex and you can see someone go in and you're like uh, like yeah. it just you just like, like am I doing this uh, right anymore and like, then, what like we then go in and we're just like hold on is this me or yeah. like you know well, it's, of course we're selfish it's we. a, a kind of the phenomenon is called spectatoring uh-huh. so like when you're in your head it's essentially as if you're like critiquing yourself like as a spectator critiques of um, sporting <laughs> game <laughs> it's a like, for flexibility <laughs> <laughs> A plus for enthusiasm. <laughs> C for mindfulness. Okay, good. Any other criteria? Well, it's actually like it's a kind of when you're in that moment and you catch yourself not actually connecting with your partner. Like yeah. that's where like we're not going to be enjoying ourselves as much. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's not turn on. Absolutely. No. Like it's not it's like not anxiety in isn't a turn on. Yeah. Okay, Tom, you big gay history nerd. Mm. School is here. Well, thank you, Dave. I like that um, title. Um, <laughs> you can add that to your grinder profile. Yeah, oh. we're going to have T-shirts made up. <laughs> <laughs> what I really like uh, kind of within this uh, case, Q, um, and something that I think we really need to acknowledge is the notion of like, what is our like psychological association with sex? Mm-hmm. Because like we've talked a little bit about like representation of like how we view what types of sex we can have and how they're mm-hmm. acceptable or not. But also I think something that's really um unique in the G of the rainbow alphabet and is very much the notion of what's associated with sex. Like, and unfortunately for anyone who's kind of been exposed to the ravages of the HIV epidemic um, and that kind of lived through the Grim Reaper ads mm-hmm. where like yeah. we were knocked down like kind of mm-hmm. bowling ball, like yeah. by a bowling ball. Sex and like death. death. Yeah, sex yeah. is death. Mm. For gay men. Absolutely. And, and, like, and it, it advertised us. And then it draws more broadly to the rest of the rainbow alphabet that it's always been something that's been taboo and it's been hidden. Mm-hmm. And like, mm. like any time that you would express yourself and your sexual, mm. like romantic and emotional self with a partner was always had to be hidden. Yeah. Mm. And I think like there was it a story. at night. Yeah. yeah mm. Like there was a story recently I heard on, on another podcast um, talking about kind of historical New South Wales and like the kind of 
Vice Squad in the 70s, and something that shocked me, even being a big gay history nerd, um, was the fact that the police at that time were able to kind of arrest people in their homes. So the police would kind of, if you'd been caught, say, on the street, um, hooking up or at a beat Mm -hmm. um, with someone, they would take your address and they would then potentially just rock up at your address at another um, time in the kind of following year and just randomly catch you with a person. And then it arrest you both for sodomy or buggery or whatever. In kind the of privacy tra- of your own home. Yeah, in the yep. privacy of your own home where like there was no kind of like, and that was the illegal nature of it. Mm-hmm. And so that like, as much as we aren't born into families of other gay queer people, we still carry a lot of that trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the generational trauma. A hundred percent. And it's just that sex will be unfortunately tied to kind of something that's wrong yeah. in people's mind yeah. if they've had any of those kind of historical mm. perspectives associated with it. Absolutely. That once upon a time, gay sex was illegal. And then after that, gay sex caused you to die. Yeah. You know, like that is that is historical trauma that the, that the community can absolutely carry. Yeah. Like mm. I think something that I saw in practice as well was that when PrEP came around, um, that the act then of like disconnecting sex from like an act of kind of protection, i.e. putting on a condom Mm. and the use of a condom being associated with death essentially, because Mm. it was so um, imparted that that was the way, only way you could protect yourself from dying as a gay person Mm -hmm. meant that the association between sex and death started to dissipate, Mm. which was really powerful um, through the use of PrEP. God, we have some trauma in our history, don't we? Yeah. Like as we talk, as we have these conversations, I just think as a community, and you know, I'm talking about the whole rainbow community here, there is just significant histories of trauma. So I think, guys, we like probably should move on to treatment. Mm-hmm. Jamie, I'd be interested to know, like, how would you approach like a Q or a Q type um, presentation in therapy, like? Is sex okay to talk about with your psychologist? Oh, my gosh. This is just one of those taboo conversations, isn't it, that you're just like, am I? Am I not? And I think you were even asking that question, is that thought of like, can I have this conversation with another adult? Is this an okay? This is an okay place to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think the more shame that we have around sex, um, the, the bigger the uh, feeling gets. The uh, more out of control, the more there's no solution, the more overwhelming and helpless we can feel in a situation. So, look, I spend uh, a stranger. I did not expect to spend this much of my day talking about sex, but I actually I feel I quite like comfortable in this space because it's not um, about me being snoopy or anything like this, but I think it's just we have to be able to have this open communication first with my clients so that they feel like they've got a safe place to talk about these fears, these worries, these vulnerabilities. Mm and at least get some um, feeling of connection in the therapeutic space. Yeah, and this is actually a shout out to any psychologists or mental health professionals who are listening. It is very much our responsibility to understand and deal with our own stuff around this to ensure that we're creating a safe space for our clients to be able to enter these discussions. And 100% agree with the medical fraternity. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not comfortable like raising the fact that a sexual self is part of someone's physical health as well, Mm -hmm. um, then there's stuff there that you can work on yourself because we need to be coming to this from a non-judgmental perspective and without assuming anything Mm -hmm. because I think it's something that I educate on um, is that to assume anything about our patients or clients immediately puts us on the back foot because Mm -hmm. we will kind of put our foot in it by its nature and we have to just create those open spaces. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I'd definitely be bringing up the topic of sex and I'd really hope that Q would feel comfortable having this conversation with me. And then I want to be talking to him about, I don't know, what sex does he enjoy? Like, mm. you know, so he know? Has, what's his sexual past been like? Is this um, an, uh, an experience which is quite new for him uh, with these kind of anxieties coming up? What else has been going on? So I'd really want to get a bit of a, uh, a sex history, I oh. guess. Ooh. Does that mean like, like you're little... counting, like you're asking him how many partners he's had? And then, I mean, like... if he wants to tell me how many partners he has, but like. Does it matter? Hmm. I don't think that it does, but if and he feels like it does, then it does. And yep. that's a great point. Like, I think it's one of these things we will always carry our own views. Right. Um, not like as therapists, but like as the person coming to the, um, right. asking for help, saying, okay, I've had sex with five people. Yeah. That means I'm a slut. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, also yeah. love that word because it's very empowering if yes. we let it be. Yeah. And ethical slut as a book is an amazing shout out. Um, but it's something that we've got to be able to kind of, be aware of in this space is like, how much am I judging myself here? Absolutely. Tom, what about you from, from a GP perspective? What are you, what are you supporting Q here with? Well, I echo what Jamie has said in creating that space, but like one of the things I want to know, like, cause I suppose I focus in the sexual health world. Um, so I want to know like what they like kind of empowering themselves to have good sex with, like what lube are you using? Like how mm. much have they gone exploring themselves like within their own like physical self mm-hmm. um, and their sexual self? Like how are they like kind of giving themselves the best deck of um, cards um, in their arsenal when it comes to then having potentially partnered sex? Mm-hmm. Because you want to be able to kind of say to yourself, okay, like I know if I do this, that it feels good. Yeah. Or I enjoy this. So like a strategy I would use would be actually to say to Q, you're allowed to go and spend a Sunday afternoon to light some candles, to put some Enya on and... And you're so unsexy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you, but sail away. Just takes me down that cabin of love. (laughs) Again, do you want to tell for that scene? (laughs) (laughs) But the point is that like you want to be relaxed. Mm, And so you want to give yourself permission to go exploring. And like you then get out your lubricants or your toys or kind of like just... Like have that moment where you connect with your body Um, because sex is generally something that involves both mind and body. And so we need to be in the right headspace, but we also need to know what physically turns us on. And so like if Q here is trying to engage in anal sex, I want to make sure that they like feel empowered and they know how to relax themselves such that they can like kind of enjoy that anal sex. And one of the things that, like, we talked, you, Dave, you talked about before was this notion of, like, if we're anxious, we're going to be in that kind of hypertoned moment with our pelvic floor. It's not particularly great for receiving an object into the anal cavity because, like, the pelvic floor tightens all that up as well. And it's just going to be real painful no matter, like, what lubricant we're using. And so what I do with patients and friends um, is like we engage in exercise of like anal breathing. The point is that like anal breathing is kind of the opposite of a Kegel. So we want to know how we can relax our pelvic floor. And so one of the best things for relaxing the pelvic floor is deep breathing. So when we take that breath in, we want to breathe out nice and slowly through our mouth. And we want to feel our like chest fall. We want to feel our abdomen relax and we want to feel that pelvic floor just drop so it's not like pushing out a really like and straining down and bearing down like you've got like constipation it's actually just relaxing that anal um and canal and the pelvic floor in one 
And if we do that and we do some deep breathing as we're kind of doing maybe some biofeedback, so we've got maybe a finger playing with our bum, mm. um, then we're going to feel that kind of muscle just relax and we're going to like understand that if we do that during partnered sex or with toys, that we'll be able to kind of have a lot more fun with it mm. and it be a lot less likely to cause pain. Mm. Yeah. It shouldn't, I mean, I really hear with Q's story around the, the stress and the anxiety around mm. pleasure and wanting to please and that, that, like, I feel that tension that he's describing. Like, and if I'm sitting there listening to his story and feeling tense and I, I can't imagine what that's like internally for him at the moment. Oh, very tight. Yeah. Well, actually, I can imagine, can't yeah. I? <laughs> yeah. um, so, Dave, like, what, would you, like, bring in anything else here, like, do you think when it comes to treatment? Like, what do you want? Any to- other music tracks? <laughs> <laughs> do you have, like, a preferred title compared to Enya? Like, what gets you going? <laughs> Yeah, certainly uh, I think relaxation is a really important strategy here. Uh, whenever I think anxiety, I always think relaxation. I, I always think, you know, I, I use the term. Uh, um. Um, <laughs> I don't use that term. Uh, lots of people do, and that's okay if that works for you. It doesn't work for me. Uh, that relaxation is the opposite to anxiety. If we are relaxed, we physiologically cannot be anxious. So anxiety, really important to work around here and whatever strategies you might have around, whether it be anal breathing, but more generally, you know, breathing techniques, progressive muscle relaxation, whatever it is that relaxes your body, the more relaxed your body is, the less likely you are to become anxious. Really important. I'm also thinking here, mindfulness, you know, that, that, um, you know, bedrock of of what we do in psychology, um, but there's a reason that it's yeah. so applicable to yeah. so much stuff is yeah. because it's applicable to so much stuff. Uh, so, you know, thinking about that connection to the present moment. And if you are able to, uh, I guess, you know, train that mindfulness muscle, I think of mindfulness mm. like a muscle, it's a practice. You're never going to be fully mindful, mindful all the time. But if, if Q's able to engage in some mindfulness practice outside of his sexual behavior and his like sexual experiences and to be able to train himself and strengthen his ability to be mindful, he's going to be able to bring that ability into his sexual experiences. He's going to be able to be more present and more mindful when he's having sex with his partner, which is going to help him with that connection, which is going to help decrease the anxiety. I think that it also takes a bit of the pressure as well of being mindful all of the time um, because, of course, our mind's going to wander. That's what it yeah. does. It starts mm. to think about, oh, hold on, did I order that shop or whatever, whatever it is. And that's all right. We just then come back and it's an yeah. act of coming back, come back into our body. That's where, mm. that's where we can really step in. And that in and of itself is mindful. Yeah. And mindfulness is about paying attention to whatever the hell is going on in the present moment. And if what's going on in the present moment is you're, you being distracted mm. and you notice that, that is you being mindful. The end goal for Q here is to be able to have mindful sex because then he's going to be more connected and he's going to be less anxious. And um, I would want to be also supporting Q to train that mindfulness muscle outside of sex. Mm. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. Like train it up at other times to be able to use it, as you said, yeah. when you need it. Exactly. I think one of the things that I would also be focusing on with Q is I'm thinking more about the communication aspect and I think Mm -hmm. that's a type of mindfulness. So I feel like we're, you know, we're on parallel tracks, um, but I feel feel like they're slightly different points because I reckon one of my goals for Q is to help with open communication uh, with 
himself and with compassion within himself, but also within his relationship and his partner. Sounds like his partner's actually wanting that open communication. So I'd be trying to help Q to, you know, figure out what he wants physically, sexually through mindfulness type activities, but then communicate those needs. Mm -hmm. And like, it's not the end of the world if your partner doesn't love the thing that you love and it can feel like that sometimes um but you know uh, i know in another episode we talked about negotiation circles yeah Mm. we can actually use that within our kind of sexual relationships about things that really kind of get us off and get us going yep but also talk about boundaries and things that actually don't work for us and will not be comfortable for us yep Let's talk about sex, baby. Unfortunately, that's the end of our episode. So um, I think we're up to final thoughts. Like, Dave, how would you, like, kind of wrap it up for us? (laughs) A final takeaway. Whether it's wrapped up or not. (laughs) Or unwrapped if you're (laughs) you're sponsored by Lynx. (laughs) Lynx Africa. Is that what you said? (laughs) That was sexy back when we were 15. Oh, God. It was never sexy. It was like, it's 15-year-olds. It's like like boys high school. Like, that's actually repulses that smell. Sorry. I sorry feel like about, you would have loved Dave having a Dave's face right now. Uh, He's like, give me Enya and a bottle of Lynx. <laughs> <laughs> set me on sale. So to redirect us. Yep. Dave, where would you end with this? Yeah, look, my my takeaway for Q here is, hey, let's take the pressure off a little bit, mate. Yeah. Um, so um, gay men are, and, and, you know, lots of different um, uh, relationship types, not just gay men, but we're talking about gay men here, obviously, specifically. Have the um, uh, have the benefit or this kind of wonderful opportunity for sex just to be fun, yeah. Mm. Um, that it's n- it never needs to be something that's about reproduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So it can just be something that's fun. Oh, but so I let's try take- and try and try. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> fingers crossed. One day. Yeah. Um, but it can just be enjoyable. It can just be fun. And there just sounds like there's so much pressure around sexual activity for Q at the moment. I'm just thinking, mate, let's just pull that back a little bit. Let's connect again with the enjoyment. Let's connect again with the fun. Um, and let's start from that position. Let's figure it out together from that, from that spot. Jamie? Yeah, I'm very, very similar. I'd really want to be encourage him to kind of figure out what he enjoys and uh, yeah, what he wants, to, what he wants to do with his kind of future sexual self, mm-hmm. um, and then help him to communicate those needs. And I think like communication, enjoyment, like drawing it back to like sex being whatever we want it to be is so important and like kind of to encourage Q here to like pop those candles on and just explore yeah. themselves, mm-hmm. do like find out who they are um, in their sexual identity and their sexual self and like feel confident in that because they're bloody entitled to it. And if that's Enya, oh, you own it, Tom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just all sail away into the evening. <laughs> So on that sail away note, um, I think we're done here. Mm-hmm. I'd just like to thank you all for joining us and please thank like you. and subscribe and, you know, pop those candles on. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. We'll catch See you next you guys. time. Bye. Meet Q is brought to you by Q Psychology, Melbourne's leading private psychology practice for the LGBT QIAP plus community. Q is a fictional character. Any similarities to a specific person are coincidental and are due to Q representing common mental health difficulties experienced by members of the queer community. 
Any advice provided by the presenters is general in nature and should not replace specific and individualised mental health support that might be needed. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health, Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 13 11 14. Rainbow Door is available on 1800 729 367, 10am to 5pm, seven days a week. And Q Life is available on 1800 184 527, 3pm to midnight every day. Please visit the Meet Q website at www.meetqpodcast.com for further specific LGBTQIA mental health resources. 